Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, hello, hello. This is Macon. We are splitting up our preview a bit. Excuse me. What I mean is that Joe is going to have the second half of the show. He's going to be talking about the TCU defense and the Texas Tech offense, how they match up, what to expect. I, of course, will be talking about the opposite of that, the Texas Tech defense versus the TCU offense, what we can expect, key names to know, key matchups. We're also both going to be giving our key to the game as well as our prediction for this one. An important matchup, a great matchup, a Thursday night matchup. Let's get right into it. Where we last left off, Texas Tech laid an egg against BYU and Provo. That was a game Jake Strong turned the ball over. Pretty much every time you looked at it, the team overall, I mean, the defense played fine, but the offense played piss poor pretty much overall. And Texas Tech whimpered on its way for the first time ever out of Provo. TCU, for its part, managed to one up Tech in terms of bad performances. They were absolutely hammered by the Kansas State Wildcats. The Wildcats just crushed them. 41-3 was the score in there. Josh Hoover would have his second career start. It was not like his first. Against BYU, Josh lit him up for over 480 yards, four TDs, two INTs. This game against Kansas State was the pretty much the polar opposite. His yards per completion dropped from 7-4. to four. His total yardage dropped to 180. And his QBR dropped from 80-plus 80, 80 to 30. He also did not add anything on the ground, and the offense overall was just largely anemic. Uh, what do we expect from the young starter for TCU? I don't really know. I think you're going to get somewhere in between. He's got a live arm. He's talented. I think he can push the ball down the field. I think he can do a lot of really good things. Um, but he's prone to making the kind of mistakes you expect from a quarterback this young. He's prone to, to, to make a lot of mistakes with regards to putting the ball in harm's way, not seeing the best read, 
Um, but he played with a lot of confidence against BYU, so I think you're going to see a guy who's looking for redemption a bit. Now, do I think he's suddenly going to light it back up like he did against BYU? No. I think TC's receiving group had a great game. I think BYU played particularly poorly. But I don't expect him to lay another egg. That being said, this TCU offense just has largely not been particularly great. It's not been very explosive. The injury to Chandler Morris has really hurt them. In a couple of games, Iowa State, of course, when Joshua was thrust in action, they were just, you know, what's crazy about that is the running back Bailey had a fantastic night, but they continued to throw the ball and had three turnovers total throwing the ball, and that basically gave Iowa State the win. Um, they weren't, they West Virginia shut them out, not shut out literally, but as in the figurative sense of contained their offense. They haven't scored 40-plus points since the Colorado game, who we now know is one of the worst defensive teams in the nation. You know, it's just not a very good offense, and with Josh Hoover leading the reins, expect a low-scoring affair. I mean, I, I just don't think they can put up many points against this Tech defense with him as quarterback. But, you know, I could be shocked. He could have another BYU-like performance. This defense for Tech has been good pretty much all year, but they are capable of laying an egg. And we're going to talk about some of the matchups and things to watch here in a minute. The first matchup to watch is the TCU receivers against the Texas Tech secondary. Williams and Richardson are probably the two names to know. Both are talented receivers, but neither one I would describe as elite. This is another game in which Tech is not facing an elite receiving group. Um, I think they're better than what BYU was trotting out there, but they're they're not like the Oregon receivers or, um, or really just Oregon. You haven't really played an elite receiving group this year, but you can expect to see a healthy dose of Richardson and Williams. They're good receivers, and they can get open. But they're a lot. They this TCU team reminds me a ton of Tech in a lot of ways. They just don't. They don't have that certain something that makes a great offense go. They don't have. It's the the lack of ability to get that extra step to make that big play to have the guy you can turn to when the goings get tough. And as a result, it's been largely anemic. But this is a huge matchup to watch. Owens, Tyler Owens, and C.J. Baskerville are actually switching positions. Baskerville is moving from the star, the field safety, to the boundary safety. Owens is going to the star, the field's position. I don't really know what to make of this move, but it is one to really watch in this in this game because this is going to speak to a lot of the cohesiveness of your defense is if this move works or not. What I mean by that is that this this star position is the field general for Texas Tech. And if Owens does not do his job particularly well, you'll see a lot more communication issues. You'll see a lot more confusion in the secondary and a lot more mistakes. And against a quarterback like Hoover, that's what you want to avoid. You you really don't want to give him anything easy. And letting these receivers run free is the definition of easy because he's got the arm to put the ball where he needs it to go. You just want to make it hard on him. So this is a huge switch that they're making now over the bye week. Perfect time to do it if you're going to do it. I haven't been impressed by C.J. Baskerville at the star. I thought there's been too many communication errors. I thought there were more when he was gone, for what it's worth. I thought when he was banged up and out, there were more. And I don't really know what to make of this change happening after a game. I thought the secondary largely did fine. But it's an important one to watch. I, I haven't been wowed by Tyler Owens either. I I really don't know. But we, we're going to find out. You know, DeRuiter's done a fantastic job building up this defensive culture. I trust him to make this move. If he thinks it's necessary, it probably is. This is a That's a position to watch throughout the course of the game, is how is Tech communicating effectively. You see a ground attack. Uh, you know, Max Duggan was unique last year. He was extremely fast. He gave him a lot with his legs. They don't have it this year. Uh, Bailey is going to be your lead back. He reminds me a lot about how Taj Brooks is viewed. He is the bell cow. He's going to get pretty much every carry. He's had games where he's been very effective. Iowa State was a game in which I think if he had gotten more touches, they would have been more in it. The Kansas State game is another one. 
I, I wasn't watching this one, so I don't know the game flow. I'm just watching clips, highlights, and box score. But, you know, he, he had 100 yards per carry on total carries, a 35-yard run. Even if you take that away, he still averaged something like five yards a carry. I think if they had maybe trusted him a bit less and not tried to throw the ball 45 times from a backup quarterback, they could have been more in that game. So he's a good back, but unlike Taj Brooks, he's not an NFL lead back. He probably isn't in the top five running backs in the conference. Um, TCU just, just doesn't have a weapon offensively that really frightens me. But if Bailey gets going, and this defense has done a great job containing most ground attacks they've faced outside of Avery Johnson just running for his life at will against Texas Tech, You've done a good job containing the ground attacks you've faced. And if the rumors are true and Jacob Rodriguez is really going to make his return, that's a huge upgrade in your linebacking group. So I expect them to work hard to contain Bailey. This all boils down to can you make Josh Hoover beat you? Because Bailey's good enough that if he gets going, he gets rolling, he can drop 150 on you without question. He can drop 200 on you without question. It, it's going to be up to you to really contain him and make the passing game beat you. Because I don't think Josh Hoover can do it by himself. So if he gets help from Bailey to the tune of 150-plus, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. So that the, a, key, a great matchup to watch here is how does Texas Tech's linebacking group do against this passing attack. And, uh, and uh, uh, how does your defensive line do at the point of attack? TCU's offensive line's been a bit mixed. They've had games where they've been pretty good, had games where they haven't been as good. I think they're probably better than Tech's offensive line. I, I'd have to check the total stat uh, sack numbers, but they haven't wowed. Um, you know, the, the the ground game has been pretty good, so they obviously can run block pretty well. And they haven't given up a ton of sacks, and the protection weight's been all right. So overall, I'm not saying it's a weakness because I don't think it is, but it it's not like this is. I I like to think of it as like Wyoming's offensive line. If you took like that equivalent veteran dominant group and moved it up in talent, it's not like that. Um, I don't really know where to rank in the offensive lines Tech has played. We'll kind of find out. I think Kansas State's is probably the best offensive line. I think uh, uh, Baylor's was obviously the worst. I think these guys are probably closer to Kansas State by, by a degree. It's a good offensive line, not a great one. And Tech has had a lot of luck containing the ground because of Hutchinson and Bradford in the middle just swallowing up the middle of the, of, of the point of attack. The issues, of course, is another cr critical matchup in this game. Can your edge rushers finally get anything going? I mean, Steve Linton has been non-existent as a Red Raider outside of one game. And I mean, as in he's had games where he has not recorded a stat. So I, I think that that can't happen. You've got to get some help. You've got to get pressure on Josh Hoover. Because again, if you make this kid be a world beater, you're going to win this game comfortably. Comfortably. But if you let this kid get comfortable, get in a rhythm, this first quarter is critical. It's critical you get to this kid early and often. But if he gets into a rhythm, he can deal. He's capable of dealing. I don't know if he's the next thing at TCU or not. I, I have no idea. What I do know is he's a very talented quarterback if you let him get into his zone. So the pass rush is a big part of this on top of the overall winning at the point of attack. Um, overall, TCU offensively doesn't really scare me. You've got a good defense for Tech. You've had really a couple of quarters of bad, but largely been very good defensively. Uh, you just need some complimentary football played by the offense. So what is my key to the game, though, overall? Because I think this is I think this matchup favors Tech. I think this, this offense versus defense, this is a matchup Tech will win. So what is my key to the game overall? How do you make sure this happens? And how does Tech ultimately win the game? Do the little things right and protect the football. I mean, that that's kind of two keys, but I think of it as the same thing. Tech loses to BYU in turnovers. 
Tech loses to Oregon on turnovers. Tech loses to Wyoming and West Virginia on stupid shit. Really, against Kansas State, turnovers kind of bankrupted you, but I think KSU was just better than you on that night. Um, so really, as long as you're not, when you're not beating yourself, and again, I don't count Kansas State in that. I think they were leaps and bounds better than you on that night. I think they deserved that one in a big way. But the other, every other loss, I said at the end of this thinking, how the fuck did we lose? And the answer is because we're not doing the little things. We're losing the games in the margin. We're not protecting the football, committing stupid penalties, not communicating effectively in the back end, uh, uh, not containing the quarterback, right? Like fundamental football, keeping the edge. You have got to do those things to beat TCU because they're not a great team, but neither are you. So when you've got a matchup like this with two teams battling it out, trying desperately to save their seasons, trying desperately, I think, to really uh, uh, salvage bowl eligibility, because I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. This is critical for both teams' bowl eligible push. You just really have to just do the little things right and hope for the best. Because if you do that, I think you are better than TCU, especially defense versus offense. I think you can win this game. I think you can take this offense out of the game and let your offense do just enough to get the win. With Baron Morton coming back, it feels very doable. Now, why is this so important? When you look at the rest of the schedule for Texas Tech, you can see it pretty immediately why this is a must-win game if you want to be uh, uh, a bowl-eligible program, which I know it sucks that that's the expectation now, or not the expectation, the goal now. We all have these high, lofty goals, but at this point, you have to keep the momentum going. You're going to follow up this TCU game going on the road to Kansas. Then you're going to have uh, uh, UCF at home. And then Texas, they're going to go on the road to Austin for that last historic date with Texas. You beat TCU, Kansas is a winnable game. You know, that's a tough program. They're going to be a tough out. It's on the road. It's going to be a packed house for the first time in a long time when Tech is playing there. It's going to be a very, very loud, raucous environment. Um, They potentially could even be trying to play their way into a Big 12 title game, depending on how their matchup with Iowa State goes. You've got to get this one to get some momentum, because then you don't have to beat Kansas. Like, I'm not saying that, oh, it's just destined, you're going to be Texas or any of this crap, but, like, the odds of you beating both Kansas and Texas feels low. The odds of you beating one or the other feels very, 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 very doable. So I think that this is such a critical game for that reason, because I, like, I'm not going to say you're just better than UCF because you dropped that game against BYU, but at home, you should be better than UCF. So I, I don't really want to start thinking worst, worst case scenario that you'll even lose that one, but it, it just feels like if you get this one done, you can really close out the year strong. You lose this one, there's no chance you're going to the postseason, it feels like, and you'll be staying home. And if you do, you'll be limping into the postseason. But I guess, technically speaking, at that point, you would have had to beat Texas and Austin, so you jolt of life. But point being, 7-5 and five is a lot different than 6-6. Six and six. Then you can finish the year of eight wins on the bowl, and that would feel a lot better. So I win out, and you can kind of salvage this a bit. Not saying it's going to happen, but look, it starts with, Thursday night. That's my key to the game, though. Do the little things, because this is a critical matchup, and it's a big-time matchup between two programs flailing, desperately trying to salvage their seasons. It's going to come down to the margins. I think you're better than TCU, but I thought you'd been better than a lot of teams, and it hasn't really mattered because you beat yourself. You were probably better than West Virginia on that night. You were definitely better than Wyoming. You were 100% better than Oregon, and you were 100% uh, better than BYU, but you beat yourself in all those instances, and that's crazy because Oregon now, of course, is having their top five Lost being their only loss, could still win the Pac-12. But you outplayed Oregon in that game, and you just beat yourself. You outplayed Wyoming, beat yourself. So just don't do that. Play within yourself and let the chips fall where they may. Now, like I said at the top of the show, Joe will be following up with his 
preview of the defense versus the offense on the other side of the matchup. That'll be the Tech offense facing the TCU defense. But before I turn it over to Joe, I've got to give my prediction. If you're not getting it, I'm predicting a Texas Tech win, 35-21. How does Tech win this game besides doing the little things? It's got to ride Taj Brooks. Ride Taj Brooks, let Baron Morton get comfortable, get reintroduced to the game. And lean on your defense to get the job done. I think this is the biggest advantage you've got is this defense versus TCU's offense. I think you let Taj Brooks play a little ball control, and you do the best you can to get this critical win in in a weird Thursday night matchup. I don't know what that crowd's going to be like. The Thursday night games tend to be quieter because the students can't come out and drink in force. But with this having been the week after Halloween, I, I people could have some leftover alcohol that can burn. You could have a pretty raucous environment. People hate TCU. Uh, I, I don't know. It's an odd game, but it's one you got to get done. And if you do get it done, you can still salvage a respectable season. Not the season we all wanted. Not the season we were all promised. But a respectable one and one that can keep the program moving forward. Now, like I said, I'm going to turn it over to Joe. Reckham, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the show and be ready for the Thursday night matchup with the TCU Horn Frogs. We'll have some interesting articles coming out. One from Frogs of War, which is my responses to their questions. And, of course, our resp- their responses to my questions. Hopefully we can get that kind of back and forth set up for you guys. You can read two perspectives. Enjoy your week. I will talk to you guys later. Happy Halloween, happy Halloween, Red Raider Nation. This is Joe with the Cotton Club crew coming to you from the 806 on this Halloween evening with part two of our TCU preview. I am joined with Macon, kind of in a sense. He is pre-recording his intro and his side of the podcast as we had some scheduling issues this evening, so we weren't able to actually record this evening together. But this is my portion of the podcast, and I will be touching base on the game on Thursday against TCU coming into Jones Stadium on the offensive side of the ball for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Again, my name is Joe, and I welcome you to my portion of the podcast and the whole entire podcast in general. Hope you guys are having a wonderful evening, and let's talk some football. TCU. Comes into Lubbock on Thursday with a four and four record, two and three conference record to face the Red Raiders, who also have a record of three and five and two and three in the Big 12. Big game. Big, big game. Four games left remaining in the season, as I'm sure Macon is alluding to in his portion of this podcast, how big this game actually is for the Red Raiders and how big this game is for our offense because we need to put some points on the board. TCU has had problems with the run, stopping the run. Their defense is pretty bad. How bad, you may ask? Well, here, let me tell you. TCU is allowing 396 yards per game. TCU's defense is allowing about 160 rushing yards per game with an average of about four and a half yards per carry. And that's pretty bad. Um, That's very, that's not good. We are getting Baron Morton back and what capacity, what percentage health wise he is. That's to be determined. He is coming off of that shoulder injury, which he had to take off a couple weeks back against the BYU Cougars. And then we had this 
this last bye week. So he's had a couple weeks to recover. Not sure if he's going to be 100%, but if I was a betting man, I would still say he's somewhere right in about the 75 to 80%, you know, um, recovered phase. So what's that leave? If TCU can't stop the run, you know, logically, it would be simple for me to just say, hey, what are we going to do on Thursday? Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But have we done that? No. Have we not used Taj to his full potential? No. Is this a game that we probably should ride Taj Brooks and Cam Valdez and whoever else is in the backfield who wants to run the ball? Yes, we need to do that. So it's pretty plain and simple to me. TCU has trouble stopping the run. We're good at running the ball. And we have a top five running back in the nation and arguably probably the best back in the Big 12. So what do we need to do? Our our guys down there in the trenches need to just kind of hold their own against a weak defensive front by TCU. They have struggled all year with stopping the run and stopping the opposing team. I mean, hell, even in their... And their victories, the other teams were still rushing the ball fairly well on them. And that's been some subpar competition there. So let's just kind of go position group by position group, go over what we need to do. So I'm going to jump into the trenches first. As we all know that we've had some issues there with run blocking, pass blocking, and some of the issues and health, obviously, that's kind of like the name of the game in 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 sports you know just the more you stay healthy the more you have cohesiveness there on the front and the offensive line is where you kind of need to have that cohesiveness because that's where you move the ball from that's where you make or break i mean if you give your guy time to rush the ball give your time guy to pass the ball in the back there you're going to make things happen and it's been inconsistent i mean i can't I can't sugarcoat that, everybody. We know that it's been inconsistent. And if you haven't seen any of Tech's football games other than just scores, it's been inconsistent. We are we have inconsistencies across the board. I'm going to focus more on our inconsistencies on the offense and making we'll touch base on the defense. But yeah, this is where we need us. This is where we need to, you know, kind of put all our chips in. A lot of this game is going to come off of the back or the legs and back of Taj Brooks and our running back game and our offensive line winning in the trenches. If Texas Tech, Texas Tech's offensive line wins in the trenches, I don't see why Texas Tech doesn't win this game on Saturday. It's plain and simple with the defense, with the defense that TCU's been putting out on the field and it's been consistently terrible. I mean, this should be a game that we should we should win but we don't always win the games we should win this year and it's been tough because there's been a lot of a lot of inconsistencies i guess is the name and the word it's just not we're not we're not there yet we haven't given a, a 60 minutes of us we haven't given a 30 minutes of us maybe is probably the closest we've gotten and the brand hasn't been on full display so sorry for kind of rambling on there, talking about our offensive line. Um, I I believe um, we're moving Dennis Wilburn back to the center position. Rusty Stats is moving back to the guard position that was vacated by Wilburn. 
maybe that's going to help our offensive line out. I know Rusty had had some trouble getting the ball back to strong in the BYU game. And it, you know, it kind of put us in some bad positions, you know, bad handoffs some really untimely fumbles really cost the red Raiders in that game. And we need to have good center play. We need to be able to hike the ball to our quarterback, whoever's back there, any, whoever it is, you just have to be able to get them the ball, not skip it on the ground and force him to make a play before the play actually starts or, you know, holding up a play, that started that you had that's a kind of a timing deal and you can't get your hand off right because the ball's like skipping to you. So Texas Tech made that change on the offensive front. We'll see exactly what it does. Um, Rusty Stats and and Dennis Wilburn. Wilburn played a majority last year in the center position, so I don't foresee it being an issue for him. Stats, this is his first time, I believe, at the collegiate level where he's had to play a different offensive line position other than center. So we'll see exactly how he adjusts on this game moving forward. But that's one thing to pay attention to with this Texas Tech offensive line is the two the two swapping positions between Dennis Wilburn and Rusty Stats. See if we could get the ball back to Barron clean to where he could hand the ball off clean to Taj or Cam, whoever happens to be out there. So we'll 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 see exactly what they do. But I do believe that that. That could be better. Um, I don't believe Wilburn had any issues like that last year in that department when he was the center for us. And he had multiple quarterbacks running back there like, you know, we've had this year. So offensive line had a little bit of, of changing there on that side of the football. So, like I said, but we should be running the ball down TCU's throat. I can't emphasize enough how terrible they are at the run defense. But this is something that we need to take advantage of. Zach Kitley needs to take advantage of this, of this defense that's kind of in a lull, running the uh, stopping the run. So that's kind of where we'll go there. I'm going to touch base. We are if if you haven't known or didn't know or are stuck in a hole somewhere, we are getting Baron Morton back as our quarterback. He rested against the BYU Cougar game on October 20th, and then we just recently had our bye week. And so he had some time to rest. Now, whether he's 100%, 75%, or 80%, whatever percentage he is, he's still not perfect. He's rested, but, you know, he's still he's still bum. He still has a bummed arm. He's not quite 100%. So, like I said, we'll see exactly what he brings to the table. Um, I don't expect them to rely heavily on his arm, but I do think that he should be making some of the easier throws, quick slants, the seam route, you know, quick outs, um, some, I don't expect any kind of running with him, you know, just based on some of the big hits he's already taken this year and how he, he's still gingerly with that shoulder. You don't want to put your guy in a worse spot and winning the next four football games, or at least three of the next four football games is going to be necessarily something that we need to do. And I don't think we need to ride Barron's, arm on that we need to ride Taj's legs on that so we do get Baron Morton back we do get a leader back there we do get somebody who's ran this offense before nothing against Jake he's a good kid he's probably going to kill it here if given the opportunity when that time is right but this is Baron's show to run so we'll see exactly what happens as far as play calling with Baron RPOs, quick passes, a lot of running. Um, we'll kind of go from there. I don't expect them to ask a whole lot out of him, just given the circumstances of how 
how he's been rested and how his he's still kind of banged up back there. The the wide receiver group and tight end group, it's it's hit and miss with our guys there. There some of our wide receivers aren't getting separation. We did see a blown coverage there in BYU where Xavier White got behind the secondary and took a, a pass from Strong, I believe 65 plus yards for a touchdown. And things like that happened, but I don't think it was anything that he did perfect. It's just a blown coverage, and we took advantage of it. So I believe that we need to start doing some of these things moving forward, taking advantages of their miscues, taking advantage of the routes that we have. But I don't foresee us using throwing the ball 40 times on Thursday. It's just the writing's on the wall of what needs to be done. Nothing against our wide receivers. Yes, they have underachieved. They're one of the the underachievers of our football team this year. Let's just call a spade for a spade. That's just what it is. We had an All-American wide receiver who's not quite playing up to that All-American status. We have a, a guy in Dre McCray who could take the top off of a defense who hasn't been utilized. And we have some other guys there that are starting to make some plays. Baylor Cup has been making some plays in the tight end department. Xavier White, as I said, has been making plays in the wide receiver department. But, I mean, and Koi Eakin been making plays in the wide receiver department. But there's not been really a jump-off-the-page kind of wide receiver in this group right now that's playing for our football team. It's, you know, it's pick pick this guy, pick that guy. Somebody's going to lead the team in receiving, and it's just not your atypical um, air raid kind of offense, not saying that this is what Kitley's offense was called, but, you know, historically speaking, what kind of offenses that Texas Tech has been putting out on the field have been predominantly passing games, and we've been very, very successful. And this year has just been, like I said, a letdown for many reasons. But, you know, I could – I could talk about those reasons all night and day till I'm black and blue in my face, but I mean, there's no reason to talk about it now. Everything that's happened to this point is not important now. We can't go back and change how we called the play back then. We can't change a score there. We can't change a loss or a win there. This is just where we're at. We have four games remaining, four games to make a to look ourselves in the mirror, four games to to at least salvage the rest of this football football season is it is it possible yes it's possible i mean it's not i'm not going to say it's not likely i i'm on i'm on board you know i think this football team is is more than capable of doing that they have the talent in the world there you they just have to want it and for whatever reason they've struggled with that on the offensive side of the ball injuries hit us in the quarterback position for another year our offensive line that should have been that or i'm sorry that should have been it was highly touted with the experience and older and older guys who had played the game who had been in the been in the in the trenches for for a good time are getting manhandled up front you know it's and and it's tough to watch. Also, with our wide receivers, as I just alluded to, separation issues, getting open, running the correct route, you know, a lot of that isn't all on them. Sometimes our quarterback has been in duress or distress back there. 
because he hasn't had time or they're going through their progressions too quick, whatever the case may be. It just has been inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball. Now, the only consistent things that we have going for us on the offensive side of the ball, obviously, is Taj Brooks when we utilize him. I can't I can't stress enough how much he is the backbone of our offense. If if he's going, our our offense is going. And that's just how it is. He is that that damn good. He is he is. I mean, he's going to be playing in the NFL. He's that damn he's that good. He's the best in the Big 12 and top 5 in the nation. Personally, I think there's not really much much better out there, you know. So I think my key to the game and my play of the game, and it's kind of easy to call for this game just based on what kind of what kind of defense TCU brings to Lubbock on Thursday, but we have to ride Taj. He's our guy. He's our go-to. He's the one who makes plays happen. You know, if he's running the ball consistently, then that kind of opens up the rest of our offense. And, you know, we go from there. But Taj Brooks has to touch the ball at least 25 times for this for Texas Tech to be successful in this game. Plain and simple. I mean, this is your guy. We have to ride him out. And if we're going to be successful these next four day, four games, the two in Lubbock and then the two on the road, he has to be a part of the game plan. And I know a lot of us has been kind of calling for Kitley's neck or Kitley's job, you know, Kitley this, Kitley that. I get it. Uh, we're all there. We're all there. I mean, it's it's tough to watch. You, uh, some a bunch of bunch of head scratchers, a bunch of hands in the air. What are we doing? What are we doing? What the hell is this? You know, and this is. I I don't want to say this is probably he's coaching for his job, but I mean he might be. Let's just kind of look at the product that's been put out there on this. If offensive side of the ball is he getting a pass because of the injuries to our quarterbacks maybe i guess i mean but even whenever you had injured quarterbacks there you still didn't take advantage of utilizing taj brooks it's just really really difficult for us to back this guy for me even me personally to back him and i love kidley i've seen him on the field before the game he's hype he's fired He's looking at these guys in the face. He loves his players. I'm not. I'm not denying the passion. You know, he is a hell of a coach. He loves his guys. I mean, but it doesn't translate to what he's calling on the field, and that's put us in some bad spots. That may or may have not cost us some games. I'm not going to say a hundred percent this way or that way, but. The West Virginia game comes to mind where, you know, some bad play calling there towards the end of the game may have cost us an overtime shot or may have cost us a chance to win that game. I mean, that's maybe. I mean, but there's been a there's been plenty of opportunity there where we've had the chance to make a play. We didn't make the play for whatever reason, but the play call wasn't in our favor either. So I think this is also one of those games, like I said, these last four games that we have coming up, starting with with TCU on Thursday, is a make or break for Zach Kitley. I, I love the guy. I love his passion. And I love how he does everything but 
calling plays that it seems like he's struggled there mightily. And it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not crazy in staying, saying that go look at the statistics. I mean, it's there. So off my little rant there on Zach Kitley, but we all kind of know, if you don't know, Zach Kitley has been an issue for this offense this year and play calling and scheming and things like that. Just, you know, not, not setting his guys up for success. It's tough watching that happen, but this is it. This is game one of a four game stretch where Texas tech needs to get their first W here on that road to a bowl, a bowl game, whether it be this bowl or that bowl. But I mean, that's end goal here. Obviously, we know we're not going this far. Obviously, we're not going that far. But we do, we do, we do, we do have our eyes set on a bowl game. Is it likely you're going to have to win at Kansas and you're going to have to win at Texas? One of the two. Those are tough asks, you know. Does this team have the makings to make a run to sweep these four games to win three of these four games possibly but they also could split them this is just the reality just based on what we've been putting out on the field offensively defensively is another subject that i'm sure makings already dove dove deep into already by now so this is this is game one. So the four four game season is left. That's all we have left. We're about to see what a lot of these kids are made of. I mean, a lot of these kids aren't coming back after this year. We have a lot of seniors on this team. We do have a lot of youth coming in, a lot of McGuire's guys. This is like the back end of Matt Wells kind of players and things like that. So we're about to see what this team is made of. You know, they've had a whole week off to kind of reflect on this, the year so far. And I'm sure it didn't sit well for a lot of them. I'm sure a lot of them, those players are hurting in that locker room because they know they're so much better than what they have been putting out on the field. Like I said, I've been on the field before every or for every home game this year. I see these players. They love this school. They love this university. They need our support. So whether you love the coaching staff or hate the coaching staff, you need to love our players. These players need it. You know, the the older guys of the Miles Prices of the world, Tyler Shuck, you know, Taj Brooks, the the vets here. You know, this is this is potentially it for a lot of them. They love this team. They love this university. They need our support. And I'm going to be there in full support on Thursday for them. Game prediction wise, it could be it could be a barn burner. It could be a low scoring game. Every game that I've called this year, as far as my my own prediction, has been off pretty bad. So I'm going to keep this one pretty low. I'm not going to go into any 30s or anything like that. But I do believe that this Texas Tech football team has what it takes to get the win here. They have the offense and the running back to break the TCU defense. And 
I truly believe this is going to be the start of at least a three game. The first game out of three games out of the last four that Texas Tech wins to become bowl eligible. Call me crazy. Call me stupid. Call me whatever you want. But this is just me. This is gut feeling here. Not with my heart, not with my breath, you know, just gut feeling here. I believe this is when when tech makes puts it together. Not saying to do anything that they're going to go four and oh, but maybe they could salvage this season, get into a bowl game, win a bowl game, and come into next year, you know, with a chip on your shoulder, with more to play for. A lot of people will not be drinking any kind of Kool-Aid of what's being said in the offseason, but that's for down the road. We could talk about that at a later date and time. But as far as this game goes on Thursday, it's an evening game in the Jones on Thursday. Give me Texas Tech 27 to TCU's 17. I am calling that right now a heavy, heavy dose of Taj Brooks and Cam Valdez going to get the job done for the Red Raiders. Our defense is going to be rested because we're going to be running the ball so well. They're just we're going to eat a bunch of clock up. Baron Morton's going to have a pretty average day because we're not going to rely on Baron Morton to win this game. Hopefully, or at least as, as in my prediction, he's not going to be utilized to win this game. He just needs to make the throws whenever he's asked to make those throws. But I do believe Texas Tech wins this game 27 to 17. Low, low scoring game under 30, a lot of clock, a lot of clock eaten by Texas Tech. We win the the time of possession battle. We win the game and we get that first crucial win out of the remaining four games this year. So that being said, we'll see what happens. Um, I'll gladly report afterwards exactly what went down, how it went down. But this game is going to be on Taj Brooks and our running back group. End of story. It, 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 we live and die by the run. We need, to, we need to feed our guy. We got four left, as I've said plenty of times here. And I don't want to sound like I'm repetitive, but this is just the nature of it. This is the guy we need to ride. So we'll see what Zach Kitley has planned for this game as far as game plan goes. He does get Baron back. We may open some different things up. Not exactly sure, but like I said, as long as we establish that run against a weak TCU defensive line, I believe that we have what it takes to win this football game and to get that first win of four, uh, first win of three that we need to become bowl eligible. So that's the end of the second part of our TCU preview. Again, thank you for joining us wherever you're joint joining us from, whether the 806, the DFW area, Houston area, wherever you're at, wherever you listen to your Texas Tech podcast at, I appreciate you joining us this evening. Like I said, we are still fairly new to all of this. Well, myself, I'm speaking for myself. And I do appreciate anybody who listens and joins. Um, we're here for you guys. Basketball season is slowly rolling upon us as well. We'll start rolling that content out soon. But, you know, let's write out this football one right now. It's still football season. Tech still has something to play for. 
whether it be pride or just making it to a bowl game, you know, we have something to play for and we're going to, we're going to get there. I'm going to be there to support, be out there for support and, and let's roll with this thing together. Okay. So my name is Joe signing off this Halloween night from the 806. Everybody have a safe rest of your week. We'll see you Thursday for the Texas Tech TCU football game and wreck them.